You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love More Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Good morning, good morning, good morning out there. We are winding down. This is the last Saturday, you guys, in March 2022. I was on a, I was in a, on a call the other day, and people were saying, March is so long. I never saw it that way. I feel like this month has blown by. But I want to welcome you to Off the Shelf, the winning book radio show, Off the Shelf. Welcome to our Saturday, March 26th. Show and excited about what we are going to be sharing with you with our featured guest today. But first, I want to leave this thought with you, and this is from Socrates. Smart people learn from everything and everyone. Average people from their experiences. I hate this word. I don't like this word, stupid. But stupid people already have all the answers. They know everything. Who knows everything? So keep learning, stay open, and, and even learning what is shared here at Off the Shelf today. I always learn something from every single show, and I so appreciate that. Another thing I want to, to, before we introduce you this awesome guest this morning, something that is very, very important is taking care of ourselves, and it's a daily, daily practice. This isn't something where you pray a prayer once or you do something at the beginning of the year with a New Year excitement and hoopla and it's over. This almost a good life is instant by instant. It, it, sometimes it feels like a lot of work when so you get in good patterns, good routines, and good and good habits. If you're looking for help with that, this book could potentially help you. Pathways to Tremendous Success. It's in hardback, paperback, and ebook. Barnes and Noble, uh, Apple, it, Amazon, anywhere books are sold. Pathways to Tremendous Success by Denise Turney. I encourage you to pick up a copy. You is an interactive book. You not only read things that have been researched and studied. You have to do your part to continue to awaken, practice awareness and step into more and more of a good life. And that kind of is a point of what today's guest had realized. She come to through a very hard experiences in her life to get there, and she's sharing it with not only on podcasts like Off the Shelf, but through books she's written. And today's guest is Jocelyn Anderson. And Jocelyn, she is a public speaker. She's also the author of the books Woman Submit, Christians and domestic violence, that's something we have to have to not hide things. We have to take, I think part of hiding it is what keeps stuff going, actually. Just reveal it and then deal with it. Women submit Christians and domestic violence. And woman, this is war, gender slavery, and the evangelical caste system. Redemption and Jesus, God of the burning bush. She has appeared on television and radio programs such as the Arthurine Rippy Show, Mainstream Baptist, Free Me Now, WMUZ, and WWJC. Please uh, check her out online at JocelynAnderson.com, J-O-C-E-L-Y-N-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N.com. Again, J-O-C-E-L-Y-N-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N. 
com. JocelynAnderson.com. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Jocelyn. Well, thank you. It is my pleasure to be here. It is so good to, to uh, be on with you again. Uh, you, uh, I, I, I don't think I ever had a, told you, but I think the last interview that I had with you several years ago, I believe that was one of the best interviews that was ever done because you were so interested in the topic, and you, you, you had so many good things to input. So it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me again. Oh, what a pleasure, what a pleasure, and thank you for what you shared. I know I was going to tell our listeners you were here, and when I was looking back as I was preparing for today's show, I was looking back through some of the questions from the last time, and some I, some questions I may be asked for listeners who weren't, did not get to hear you before, but I was shocked how far back it was. I was thinking maybe two, three years but we had the pleasure of having, for off-the-shelf listeners, having Jocelyn on in April of 2016. It was six years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I was yes. blown away. I said, oh, my God, where has the time gone? It's just, it just blew by. So for those, Jocelyn, who tune in off-the-shelf around the world and they're hearing you for the very first time here on the show, before we go into talking about your books, could you tell our off-the-shelf listeners, and this is a question I ask every guest, where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Well, I grew up kind of all over. I'm an Air Force brat. Uh, that's, a, that's an affectionate term we use for ourselves. Uh, I come from a military family. I'm also an Army mom now. I'll just throw that in. Uh, so I was born at Eglin Air Force Base in Okaloosa County, Florida, my sister was born in Taiwan. My brother was born in Bermuda. Two brothers were born in New Jersey. So we were back. We traveled a lot uh, growing up. And I also come from a broken home. When I was nine years old, my parents divorced. And so I uh, still continued to live in Florida and part of that time in New Jersey. So I had the benefit of uh, going to school up in New Jersey, uh, all those wonderful field trips you know, that they take the kids on. I got to visit New York City, Philadelphia, uh, all kinds of places that I would not have uh, been able to have been exposed to had I only grown up in Florida. But large family, I have, uh, I'm the oldest of five children and a large, noisy family and, of course, a single working mom. So wow. That's yeah. You've had a lot of experiences, the traveling and then uh, you can hear the openness in you, but the traveling and the different people that you grew up around. I, I, we have so many guests on. Some grew up in another country, and it's just it's just interesting when you hear people's backstory. And then when you do the interview, like our off-the-shelf listeners, you can hear sometimes how their beginnings shaped the, the rest of their life. So grow, growing up, Florida, travel, in the military, oldest of five, and you've had all these travel, meeting different people experiences. So now you come to a point where you just start writing, you start writing books. When you, and some of the questions I ask every guest, I'm not going to ask you again because you've been on before, but I want, I'm curious about this. When did you decide, when did the thought come to you to actually start writing books? What inspired you to even start to write books at all? Well, I've always written as far as even growing up. I had lots of 
pen pals, so I wrote lots of letters. I also journaled. I, uh, when I was a teenager, I did a lot of poetry. It was just, it was just a catharsis, an outlet for me. And so the journaling continued into my adult years. And when I began to experience the abuse, I, I wouldn't journal about the abuse, but I would journal about insights that, the Holy, that I felt the Holy Spirit was giving me as I worked through, I call it the minefield of abuse as I navigated it, because I came to the Lord young and, uh, of course, didn't serve the Lord until my young adult years, but every morning I would read my Bible and just spend some time, just spend some time with the Lord, and I always had my little journaling notebook there writing down insights, so, uh, and always wanted to write a book, but just never did, and to fast forward to the end of the story to answer your question, once uh, I went through the abuse, came out on the other side, the Holy Spirit began dealing with me to write something about it. And, of course, that wasn't what I wanted to write. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to kick back as I put it under my honey belt tree and sip some lemonade, you know, and write the great American novel and have a good time with it. Uh... You know, the Holy Spirit was really urging me to write down some things. And I knew it was to write a book, but um, what I did was I opened up, uh, I, I, I made a quick, uh, I got up in the middle of the night, actually, and I wrote what I felt I was being led to write, put it away, and then uh, as the Holy Spirit just wouldn't leave me alone about writing about this experience to help people, I opened up my journal, and I began reading through my journals and the insights that, that, I, that God had been giving me over, like, the past 10 or 11 years previous. And so I was astounded to find that almost every chapter of my book had already been written, Woman Submit, Christians and Domestic Violence, because I endured domestic violence as a Christian woman. Uh, and suffering at the hands of an abuser who was also a professing Christian and, uh, you know, a seminary student, <laughs> pastor of the church, um, I found that I had already written that book. So I, I went, I, I took those things that I had written and I researched, backed them up with research and, you know, prayer to bring them all up to date. And that is the book, uh, Women Submit, Christians and Domestic Violence. And if I can throw this in, I have a second edition that I will be releasing very soon. Uh, it'll be sometime this year. I'm hoping within the next few months the second edition is completed. So um, it's uh, it never was out of date, but people don't know that because I published it, I think, what, in 2007? So I'm publishing the second edition now. I'm, I've updated some stats, uh, some resources, and it'll be it'll be a 2022 edition. Well, did that answer well, your question? Wow, we, de we definitely want to talk about that. Before we get to the to woman submit, and I'm so glad you you are uh, helping not keep that hidden. So many things. I was watching a movie yesterday, last night, and so much in our society we put on this face, and it's so there's a lot of things that could be going on in people's lives. They know it's wrong, and they just keep it hidden. So not hiding is, I think, a good first step. But before we go to a woman's submit, I wanted to ask you about another one of your books, 
Uh, could you introduce us to Redemption Bible Prophecy oh. Simplify? And what, what inspired yes. you to write this particular book about these prophecies? Well, I was actually, you know, I never was. I, I like I said, I've, I've been re, as a once I came back to the Lord in my very young adult years. I always, I my habit, and it still is, forty some odd years later. I read my Bible every day, always picking up today where I left off yesterday. So I love the entire Word of God. I really didn't have a focus on Bible prophecy other than how it just integrated into everything else I was reading. And um, this is an interesting story. I uh, was driving down. I love to reach out to people. People knock on my doors. You know, I I love talking about the Word. And... um, Anyhow, I'm driving down the road one day, and I pass uh, Kingdom Hall, and um, the Jehovah's Witnesses Kingdom Hall, and it had a sign that said, watch night service, you know, a New Year's watch night service. Well, I, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. I'm, I'm just a Christian. I'm non-denominational, saved by the blood of Jesus. I know when I die where I'm going, and uh, I try to serve the Lord every day, and uh I really felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to attend that that watch night service. It's like, oh my goodness, you know. <laughs> I knew it was the Lord, um, so I did. I went to this watch night service at at the Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall in Tell City, Alabama. And the moment I walked in the door, this lovely uh, elderly woman, very elderly, she was way up in her eighties attached herself to me. We were joined at the, you know, the, for the entire <laughs> meeting. And uh, before I left that evening, she had my address and my phone number, and I had her address and phone number. And she began calling me regularly, several times a week. And, you know, she was bound and determined to, to convert me, you know, to, um, to become a Jehovah's Witness. And as I was speaking to her, I realized we often uh, said the same words. In refer- you know, we talked about the Bible a lot. We often said the same words, but they didn't mean the same to us. We were speaking a different language. We had different definitions. And so as I spoke with her about redemption, uh, I realized her, her, her version of redemption was vastly different from my version. My version of redemption is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him, you know, will not perish but have everlasting life and I'm saved by faith. I'm saved by grace through faith and not of work. Anyone should boast. That doesn't mean I don't serve the Lord and I don't strive to please him and I, you know what I'm saying. I do, I do strive to live a holy life. But in her definition, it became very clear to me that unless I belonged to her organization, unless uh, I worked and, and, and strove very hard, you know, to earn my salvation, uh, I, I would not be able to be saved. And even under her definition, you could never know if you were saved. Everyone wasn't going to heaven, only a certain number. And so I was praying for her because I had a great affection for her. And um, I said, Lord, you know, I know this, this she doesn't have a grasp of, of biblical, of salvation, as it just is simply taught in, in your Bible. So I'm concerned, you know, for her eternal, you know, uh, for her salvation. 
I was praying for her, and I was very burdened that I didn't seem to be able to get across to her, you know, the simplicity of Christ. And the Holy Spirit ministered to me in, in very clear, very clear terms that it was not my responsibility to save her. It wasn't even my responsibility to convert her. It was only my responsibility to love her and tell her the truth that would set her free and leave the rest up to God and, and, and between her and God. But what happened was I said, Lord, you know, her thinking about salvation has just been so warped and these scriptures that we, we seem to speak, we say the same words, but we're not speaking the same language. How can I, in a simple way, just present your beautiful redemption to folks, you know, free of just extra stuff? And um, in a way they can understand. And so he gave it to me. He just, the Holy Spirit just gave it to me. But by that time I'd already had, I don't know, 12, 13 years of, of Bible reading under my belt, of reading every day, always picking up today where I'd left off yesterday. So I think at that point I had probably read the New Testament about 25, 26 times. I had read the Old Testament at least 13 or 15 times. So I had a lot of word in me. And, you know, the Bible promises that the Holy Spirit is going to bring to our remembrance what we need when we need it. So there was a lot in there for the Holy Spirit to, to be able to raise up in my spirit and bring to my memory. About half, less than halfway through, because my first draft of redemption, Bible Prophecy Simplified, was only 54 pages. And about less than halfway through, I realized I was writing a book about Bible Prophecy. Bible prophecy is all about redemption. That's the reason I call it redemption, Bible prophecy. Simplified. Ah, okay. A study of hope. Because it's like all of a sudden it just clicked with me. Because it had always been complicated with me as well. You know, it's a complicated subject to people. And so I, I have a, I have a I, you know, coined a saying about it that when God's great redemption is understood, Bible prophecy is neither complicated nor mysterious. It's simple. It has everything to do with the person and work of Jesus Christ and his great redemption of our bodies, our souls, and the earth from start to finish. That's all it has to do with, period. So when we try to study it piecemeal, you know, little here, little there, and we don't connect it with the whole, it seems it, it, it doesn't make sense. But when we look at it in terms of redemption from beginning to end, it's just become so simple. So wow, it's okay, all about us. redemption, and that's why no, I wrote yeah. it. Tell us about yeah, some of the it. prophecies. That's the story. What, what are some of the prophecies that you do cover in the book? Well, you know what really astounded me? I wrote the book. It's actually the first book I ever wrote, though it's not the first book I published. I, you know, I published Woman Submit first. Redemption was published second. Um, when I first wrote it, I, I sent it out. I, I converted it into a, a, a study course. And I, 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 sent, I mailed it out as a correspondence course back in the 90s. I, I put ads in the paper. People would write me and request it. I, I wrote to jails, and they asked them to post, give it to their chaplains. I sent it to prisons, to jails. People would request it. Um, repeat your question for me now because I've gotten sidetracked. No, tell us about some of the prophecies that you cover in the book. Some of the prophecies, right. Yes, I was telling you that I actually wrote this book in 19... 92 or 93, and one of the prophecies that really blew me away, and everyone's going to, to recognize this one, and I, I put this in the book 
um, in, in a later edition of the book because I was reading through Isaiah, and I believe it was Isaiah 25, 25 or 30. Y'all can look it up. And I read about the day of the great slaughter when the towers fall. Does that sound familiar? Does that ring a bell oh, yeah. to you at all? Yeah. Uh-huh. It does with everyone. I, I use this term. I, I think I, I almost fell out of my chair when I saw that. It's like, oh, my goodness, Lord, that, is in, that was in the Bible all along. But there was no way we could actually know what it meant until it happened. And so in my later edition, because I now have a fourth edition of the book, in my later edition, I added that in there just to show folks how, how the Holy Spirit just works things into his, into his word. Um, so what I cover is redemption. It's all about redemption. So I begin with how, how, how the redemption was prophesied to the Lord, uh, how Messiah, uh, his crucifixion on the cross his, uh, was prophesied you know, through the Feast of Passover. His resurrection was prophesied through the Feast of Firstfruits. That's, you know, where we always celebrate that at Easter, which sometimes falls on the same day as Firstfruits and sometimes not. Uh, I do believe that uh, the um, time of Jacob's trouble is, is prophesied through the Feast of the Lord, uh, through the Day of Atonement. I do believe tabernacles, Jesus' thousand-year reign of peace. I don't know if it's a literal thousand years or if that's a figurative term, but it really doesn't matter. It's going to happen, right? He's the Prince of Peace. So there will be world peace when Jesus comes and brings it. Um, So those are the things I cover in general in the book because the book is all about redemption and understanding Christ's redemption through the prophecies of the Messiah through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Wow. And, and, and next I want to ask you, you know, when you talk about redemption in, 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 in this world, it requires faith. So I wanted to ask you um, what role faith has played in your life and what we can do to strengthen our faith. You know, without faith we cannot please God. And Faith has played a very important part in my life. I could never have survived what I went through through the years of abuse. Um, and I got married very young as well. Uh, that I didn't tell you about that. I, I got married at 16. I was a baby. He was a baby. Wow. Oh, yes. Back in the early 70s, 1972 or 73, it's been so long, I can't remember now. It's been a long time. And I didn't come to faith, though, until I was 24. And when I came to faith, oh, my goodness, you know, this is what I would like to say to folks that are going through hard times, that are Christians, and they're hanging on to God and having faith for this, that, or another. And I had faith, you know, I was believing God for a lot of things. But I cannot imagine what my life would have been like had I gone through that without Christ. He's not my genie in a bottle. God is not my Santa Claus. I believe his word. I do. I believe, I believe that he wants us to prosper as our souls prosper. You know, I believe he wants us, he came to give us life and life more abundantly. But Jesus also said in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trials. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
And that was my faith, that I always knew God had me. He had my back. I believed in his protection, and he came, he had come through for me many times. Um, faith plays a very important, you know, in him I live and move and have my being. Uh, how, how do I believe we can add to our faith and have faith? Well, the Bible tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we don't read our Bibles and we don't know what's in our Bibles, how do we know how to have faith? How do we know what we can have faith for? You know, we've heard the terms, well, I'm believing God for this and I'm believing God for that. There's a lot of things I believe God for. But it's got to be based on, on his word, on the word of God. And another thing is faith works by love. So we can, we can read the Bible and we can be a walking Bible and know so much Bible more than anybody else that we know. But if we're not walking in love, how, how, how are we going to actually have faith? So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Read your Bibles every day. If you don't have a method, I recommend reading every day, always picking up today where you left off yesterday, and walk in love with people, not arrogance, not anger, not unforgiveness, but love. And if you don't know what that is, turn to 1 Corinthians 13 and read that first chapter. That love, is it, is it the first chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 1? It's the mm-hmm. love chapter. You know, without yeah, love, oh yeah. I'm, just, yeah. I'm just a big noise maker, you know. Um, and then it goes into detail about what love is and is not. So if you're not sure, go to that love chapter and, and read it. Walk in love. Be full of the word. And what did Jesus say? Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Build our right. house upon the rock, not the sand. Yeah, and those then your experience build their house is, on the rock. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, then your experiences. Those build their house. <laughs> yeah, and your experiences and, uh, will begin to increase your faith too. When you see things, when you do the right things, yeah. you see what happens. Not only in your life, but in other yeah. people's. That also is a great Absolutely. to me a faith strengthener. Now to women submit. For our listeners who. They're not familiar, may not be familiar with the story. We have a lot of people who come on. They write novels. Some write stories. Uh, they may be rooted in real life experiences, but they could be. It could be a novel. So I wanted to ask you, or they can write a, a nonfiction book about someone else. Is woman submit? Is this your personal story? I mean, I know the answer, but for those who <laughs> have been uh, yeah. this first introduction to you, is it a, your personal story? Um, and what inspired you to write this book? Woman Submit is my personal insight into Christian response to domestic violence. It's not an autobiography. The first chapter outlines, you know, um, that last horrific attack, the miracle that God did for me during that, and the reason that I wrote the book. And uh, the rest of the book, is my insight into uh, Christian response and, and using examples from, uh, but it's, so, so yes, I guess you could say it is my personal story, but it is not uh, an autobiography. Uh, if you don't um, mind, I, I'd like to give you some chapter titles that might help some people understand what the sure, book sure. is about. Is that all right? Well, the first chapter sure, is entitled, I Should Be Absolutely. Dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. 
Um, the first chapter is entitled, I Should Be Dead. God did an amazing miracle for me, but it, it really, you know, gives a good picture of, of what, what happened. Uh, the second chapter, and this is surprises people, is entitled Widowhood Descends, because women that go through domestic violence don't always uh, get the compassion and support they need. And especially women, uh, it, you know, it, what happened with me was in that moment, that last horrific, but it went on for 11 years. So it wasn't like I left immediately, but um, I had gotten married. Uh, and this is something too. You know, was I had your husband, was your ex-husband, was your ex-husband young as well? I mean, that's no um, excuse for domestic no. violence. I was just curious. No. You were 15. Was he young? Uh, well, um, when the domestic violence didn't start until I was, uh, in my late thirties. And so my oh. first marriage didn't last. We were both babies. My first marriage didn't last. And I've been married, uh, I've been married more than once. So I'm a, I'm a divorced woman a couple of times, but I actually had two abusive marriages. One marriage lasted nine years. He was young, uh, in his, uh, twenties, you know, throughout that marriage. And, well, actually he did make it into his thirties before the marriage ended. But, yeah, he was young, but that, that wasn't any excuse for it. And then I married again uh, an associate pastor of our church. And it, by that time, we were both in our, uh, I would say, 40s. So why oh, it's been really? a long time now because I'm, I turned 66 the other day. All right? okay. So I'm, saying, I'm having to remember things that happened, you know, right, way right. back, um, you know, I don't know, 20 or more years ago uh okay and so we were we were in our 40s and he was an associate pastor of our church and he was not an alcoholic he didn't drink or do drugs you know so uh people have stereotypes you know where they you know yeah. well, they got a, you know they're young they're full of testosterone or they have a drink well, sometimes they do have a drinking problem sometimes they do have a drug problem but that is not always the case and um so I was, you know, I was watching a TV show the other night that was covering, it was actually a movie that was covering a whole lot of issues. And one of the issues that it covered, interesting show, and I was very happy that they covered a lot of issues. One of them was domestic violence. And they had some stereotypes in there that weren't helpful. Others, you know, they showed some really helpful things. And one of the stereotypes was that the husband was, was an alcoholic. That's okay. a stereotype, that the husband drinks. And, and he only beats her when he drinks. Um, the other, the uh, but the other one was it did show that uh, he could be dangerous to others because when when the marriage ended in the movie, you know he ended up uh, you know killing someone. You know, so there are stereotypes that need to be broken. One of them is that he's always an alcoholic and that it's an okay. anger issue. And another one that I in in that movie that disturbed me was they recommended marriage counseling. For the couple going through abuse, you never recommend marriage counseling for people going Interesting. through abuse. Interesting. See, this yeah. is why it's um, good to have people like you sharing what you share. Why not? Because abuse is a completely separate issue. Now, now abuse will cause problems in the marriage that later, if the abuse can be dealt with, later the couple can go in, you know, and have counseling to try to heal, you know, the hurts that have been done. 
but abuse isn't caused by problems in the marriage. It's, and it's not even caused by having anger issues, although abusers tend to be angry people. Um, well, I, I shouldn't say tend to be, but most of the time they're angry when they're beating their wives for sure. Uh, abuse is caused by troll issues. And often, I would say 100% of the time, it's caused by uh, views on uh, role, gender roles. The man is the man, and the woman should be submissive to the man. Um, there, I, I never can get his name right. Brennan Branning, he's a, he is a family counselor in the Bahamas. Uh, uh-huh. he, is a, he is a Christian, and I love to quote him because he is like one of the only people that's had the guts to stand up and say this, but he said, strongly held belief about gender roles is is a huge contributor, probably the main contributor to domestic abuse and domestic violence. Wow. And he said strongly held religious beliefs about gender roles uh, compounds it, you know, Mm. a hundred times. Um, Because if you can get somebody with religion, you've got them. You know, they believe it is their right, their duty. So gender roles, it it controls and strongly held uh, beliefs about gender roles is a huge contributor and of course anger of course does play into it but that's uh, a separate issue so the abuse has to be dealt with and the first way that it should be dealt with i believe it's you know it's a legal issue it's a crime it's a crime for a husband to beat up his wife it's not a family issue this is a crime that's been committed so and you know what i think that needs to be i think that needs to be echoed more because i don't think people see it that way I think people see it as no. a relationship issue, and some people, what did you do to upset him? And I, and then people hide it. I really think uh-huh. what you said needs to be said more. Same thing with child abuse. This is not something that you just deal yeah. with in the family and keep a secret. This is a crime. It's a crime as similar as if you go rob somebody or break into somebody's house or rob a bank. It's a crime. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so women that uh, or men who go through, you know, spousal battering need to be supported, even encouraged to have them arrested. Now, I did not have my, my batterer. I did not have my batterer arrested at first. And there's a lot of reasons for that. For one thing, um, there's, there's economics. You know, what's going to happen if, if, you know, if he goes to jail and I got the house payment and the car payment, you know, and I can't pay everything and I leave my home? Uh, that was a huge one for me. I wasn't, you know, I got to the point where I wasn't so concerned about whether he went to jail or not. I was more concerned about survival and not wanting to lose, lose my home. Um, you know, there's, there's this economic factor. There's economic fear. Sometimes there's children, you know, involved. So there's a lot of reasons, but if she's ready to call the police, encourage her to do it. You know, when that uh, that last horrific uh, event that took place in my life, my pastor was the one that called the police. He asked me if he could. And is there that a safe way to do, Is there, Jocelyn? Is there a safe way? Because you know, there's a lot of fear too. That if you tell on an abuser, even if it's not reach the physical abuse stage. Some people are the psychological and emotional or sexual financial abuse is so bad. But if you tell on the abuser, the abuse will get worse. Is there a safe way to do that? 
Well, uh, yeah, there's a lot of fear that if you tell on the abuser because they release him from jail, um, you might or might not get a restraining order. But there was a country song about Earl that walked right through the restraining. They do walk right through those restraining orders, but I say get them anyway, you know, because you can call the police if you see them coming. Uh, a safe way to, you know, if somebody's listening and they are dealing with abuse, they're dealing with domestic violence, they don't really know what to do, don't want to call the police at this point, call the uh, domestic violence hotline. It's 800 799 7233. They will refer you to resources in your area. They're not there to tell you what to do. They're not there to call the police, you know, on your spouse after you hang up, but they are there to help you figure out what to do, and they can lead and guide you into a safe way, because you're asking, call the police. If you call the police and, and your spouse hits you, the police are going to come out. They're going to arrest someone, usually. Um, so you're asking a safe way to report. I don't know about a safe way to report. If you're not ready to report, call the hotline and speak to a counselor so that they can help you with your options, help you until you're ready and able to do something. I had a, uh, I met a woman who actually spoke with someone for I think a couple of months. She was, she called a, she got, she called the national hotline and got some local resources. And I recommend to Christians, too, if you're listening, you're not going through abuse, but you want to be able to help someone who is, find out where your local resources are. Program them into your phone. I have them programmed mm. into my phone so I can pull them up immediately. I don't have to go online and look. I know where they are in my county and in my city. Um, but definitely call, call the hotline, and they will help you navigate because these situations can be very dangerous. You know, I think we talked about this before. There is the most dangerous time in a woman's life yes, yes. when she tries to leave her abuser. Yes. That is a, that is a fact. And um, so I would recommend to call the hotline. There are trained people there. They know all the resources. They know your situation. They won't even necessarily, you know, ask for your real name. Everything would be anonymous until you were ready. Uh, until mm. the woman is ready. Did that? Did right. that? Was that helpful? Very helpful. And then to keep those okay. in your in your phone, if it's you to keep numbers, you can reach. Well, actually, you'd have to find a way to do it so the abuser didn't know. So maybe a different go by a different name. You put it in your phone, or if you have a friend or relative, no. you can just uh, yeah. away. And then oh, I, and then I I, I was told that nine one one. If you if you call and you say I want to order a pizza or something, there's a code that the 911 operators know is domestic violence. There is, That's and I'm I not heard. sure about that, but I do know that yes, there there are certain safety precautions that uh, that uh, you should take with your computer and with your phone. Um, for instance, if you go to the national uh, to the hotline.org, the first thing that comes up is a security alert. And it says internet usage can be monitored, and yes, it can. Uh, and it's impossible to erase completely. So if you're concerned, I'm reading this for your internet usage that it might be monitored. Call us at 800-799-7233, and then there's a link to learn more about digital safety. So they give instructions even on their website, you know, how to protect yourself if you're some help uh, to try to get away. 
and I know this one woman, she was on the phone with a hotline uh, probably for two months, but they did help her work out a plan. She couldn't get any help uh, from her church or from her pastor um, or friends, and her husband was a was a, a youth pastor at their church. And so she had to rely on uh, the help that she got from calling the hotline, and they helped her work out a plan, and she did get away. She got Thank away. God. She's been away now. Yeah, she's been away now for uh, probably close to 20 years. We're still very good friends. We met. Oh, good for her. What a good, what a good story. Yeah. Oh my goodness, what a good she's story. An awesome advocate. Yeah, yeah, she is an awesome advocate. Uh, she went to school. She got a degree. She wrote a book. Good for her. Uh, and she does events. So you know, we have some really good, happy endings to many of these stories. But she had to go through the channel. She wasn't, yeah. you know, if she had just tried to leave, walk out the door, you know, she would have gotten drugged back in. Who knows, you know, what would have happened. But right. uh, she, she had to call. She had to call the hotline, and they were very supportive for her. She can't say enough good. And she had to live in a shelter with her children uh, for a, a, at least a couple of months. It might have been longer. You know uh, and I know that no they... one wants to do that. Yeah, but you know, you're thinking I'm, I'm, every step I take, I'm getting closer to freedom. Every step I take, so even if it's uncomfortable, Absolutely. every step I take, then I, this, and this is a step I have to take. And like you said, when you're ready. Now, I wanted to ask you this. Is it true that women hold themselves responsible for the abuse? Do women really, before they're ready, Early into their abuse, do women say, it's my fault, I must have done something wrong, I must, shouldn't have made him mad, I must have said something? Is that, and how, how, if that is so, how, what can a woman or a man who's been abused do to break free of that thought pattern? Well, uh, it is true that many women hold themselves responsible for the abuse. Uh, one reason for that is that they're told they're responsible for the abuse. Not only is the abuser telling them that they're responsible for the abuse, but pastors, spiritual leaders, a lot of Christian material tells women that they are responsible for the abuse. A lot of Christian material. Um, Oh, my goodness. uh, That takes, mm -hmm. mm-hmm. So they're, you know, they're told, be be agreeable, be be submissive. Oh, my gosh. Um, Yes. Yes. being agreeable and submissive will not stop the abuse, but I will say that women that go through abuse, and I went through this myself, learn to pick and choose their battles. Because if we battled every wrong that happened in our marriage, every abusive act, every controlling act, everything that was oppressive and wrong, we would just be fighting all the time, and it's exhausting. No one can live that way. So women... Uh, men, men will do this too. So if you're a man and you're listening and you're going and you have a controlling, abusive spouse, because women can also, but it is mostly men. Um, but if you're a man going through this, you, you probably learn the same thing. All victims of abuse learn uh, to, to run everything through what I call the abuser filter. How are they, you know everything gets filtered through? How are they going to react? How are they going to respond? Oh to my goodness! So we don't challenge everything. We keep a lot of things to ourselves. We let them have the say in so many uh, things because of the price we will pay if we don't. Um, but do, do they blame themselves? Sure. Uh, you get to the point where you, you know, some women 
uh, some people will actually buy into that lie that they are causing the abuse, especially if they're being told that by their pastor or their Sunday school teacher or their, you know, whatever spiritual leader they go to, you know, or if their closest friend, you know, happens to hold to, you know, the, the complementarian paradigm that men are always leaders, women are always followers, and if, if, if everybody will follow that paradigm and stay within the parameters of their roles, then life is going to be absolutely lovely. Well, that's absolutely not true. So how do you get out of that? You know, I don't know that I ever completely bought in to the fact that I was causing the abuse, although I did try to control it, you know, through the picking, the choosing, the running everything through the abuser filter. But I do know one thing. The thing that really set me free was when I, the day I realized that my creator did not, was not happy at all with me being abused. And wow, yeah, abused. yeah. And that's, I, and like I said, you know, this is, you ask where my faith comes in. I, you know, every day I get up, I read my Bible every day, always picking up today where I left off yesterday, right? Well, one day I happened to be in Proverbs chapter 2 that speaks, the first few verses, that speaks to being free from the evil mm. man. And wow. one of the chapters in my book, I call that my blueprint for freedom. I wrote about that in my book, Woman Submit. And one of the chapters in my book goes into what I learned reading that passage. And I just tore it apart. Theologically, I broke it down, you know, because I looked, I, it just jumped out at me. It's like, oh, my goodness. You know, I looked up all of those words, and what I found in those first, you know, I think uh, 10 verses was that the Lord wanted me to make a plan. There wasn't anything wrong or underhanded or sinful about me making to get away and live a happy, safe life. In fact, the Bible was very clear that it had to be a discreet plan. So, you know, it, it, it helps to look up those Greek words sometimes um, and that I would, could be free from the evil man. It's wow. Like, oh, you know, what a, yeah, what a blessing. What a blessing. I definitely, we're coming down to about 15 minutes left. I have to ask you this. I have to ask you this question. Because years ago I heard that the the ages of people, and, and not even married, just dating who are were experiencing? I hope it's changed. Abuse. The ages were dropping. So let's say a twelve-year-old is just you just going to the movies and whatever. There is it, and then your boyfriend pops off and pops you in the mouth because you said or did something. And I'm hearing that the ages of it starting were getting younger and younger. So all that said, this one thing I heard somebody say this years ago. Uh, what is it? An ounce of prevention is more than a pound, is worth more than a pound of of cure. If you just don't even get into the situation, if you keep yourself healthy physically, it, that is so much more worth than any medicine. If you don't go into the situation, it's so much better than having to work to get out of it. And God bless you for getting out and sharing your story and for others who do that. But are there signs, Jocelyn, that whether it's a man or a woman, are there signs before anybody hit punches a blow that during a romantic dating period, 
are there any little signs that you could look for that this person could be a potential abuser? There are signs, and I did not know what the signs were uh, until you know until I was already into it. But there are signs, and what would surprise you is that some of the signs are not all bad. Um, you know, there are the typical signs that we can watch for. Are they controlling? Do they want to know where you're at every minute? Are they jealous of your friends? Are they jealous of your family? Do they make up stories about why they're jealous? Well, I'm just looking out for you. You know, do they do they try to alienate you from your family under the guise of, well, I'm just looking out for you because they really don't have your best interest in mind. So that, you know, that they, will, they will try to isolate you before you're married. Um, but some of the signs that people don't look like it, don't look for are, you know, abusers can be very charming. They are very communicative. They can be very uh, smart, well liked, well accepted in the community on their job. Sometimes. Oh the my goodness, Jocelyn! I, I, I got I just want to interrupt you quickly. I would have never. I would have thought just the opposite. I the control I part. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you're on. I'm not, hopefully, maybe it even could save somebody's life who listens to the show now in the future or knows somebody. But I would think an abuser was quiet, not liked in the community, somebody people stayed away from. You just blew me away with yep. that one. <laughs> really? See, how about that? And a lot of people believe that because some very well-known, you know, Christian writers, psychologists, you know, family people in the Christian world, they write just what you said, but but it's not true. Abusers are charming uh, most of the time. Uh, that this is the other. This is the flip side of it. Um, one thing that they might want to do if you're dating uh, somebody that's an abuser and you don't know this about them is is they want to. Uh, I don't know the professional word for it, but they want to merge that relationship very very quickly. They want to get serious really really fast. They love wow. you. They love bomb you. They want you all to themselves. You know, they want you to, you know, they want to meet you today. I'm just going to fast forward through this because it's not always exactly like this, but it, it does go kind of like, you know, they want to meet you today. They're in love with you tomorrow. They're proposing to you the next day. Set the date. Let's get married fast. Wow. Um, that, that can be quite typical with an abuser because they want you very quickly under, you know, all to themselves and under their control. And, and it's not a diabolical thing in their mind, you know, uh, if they put you on a pedestal, that's a that's a uh, a red flag. Putting you on a really? pedestal, you're the perfect woman. Oh yeah, because nobody's perfect. So they put yeah, you right. on a pedestal very quickly. You're the perfect woman. Um, after you get into the relationship, you know, significantly into the relationship, um, then you fall off your pedestal. Then you start seeing the dark side, you know, of this. You know, you're either perfect or you're bad. Uh, so if they think you're absolutely perfect, you know, yeah. So, you know, watch out for, for folks that want to move the relationship too fast. If, they, if they're not respecting your boundaries, you know, you've got, we have our boundaries. You know, I like you. Maybe I want to go out on a date with you. I don't want to kiss you on our first date. Uh, we might go out on two or three dates. I don't want to say you're my steady boyfriend, you know, but they are pushing and pushing and pushing for this relationship to go to the next level and not respecting your boundaries that you might want to take some time, get to know them a little bit better, you know, keep things casual for a while. They won't respect that kind of thing usually, usually. Um, it'll, it'll, you'll feel some pressure, you know, you'll feel pressure from them. So um, your, your ideas, your thoughts, 
uh, your conversation uh, needs to be respected. Your opinions need to be respected. If someone does not respect your opinion, you know that, uh, and they they may they may even try to be nice about it. But disagreement's one thing, but disrespect's another. So watch yeah. out for you know what I call the the the. You know, there's a book uh, by Johanna Michelson, but it was it wasn't written on abuse. It was written about you know the, the spiritual side of things, and then and the call and the name of it is the beautiful side of evil. Well, abusers wow. have a beautiful side that they present to you and to the world, and often they're not at all interested in controlling anyone but their spouse or their significant other, and they are often well liked. So. Man, you just dropped some. I'm telling you, you dropped some gems just now. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Now, do you cover all of this? Do you cover this in the book book? and and more in Woman Submit? Do you list the signs in the book so people? I think that's so critical, so critical. Some of them I do. The journey from fear to peace. I talk about. I talk about some of these, the shame of it all, the Eve syndrome, church-sanctioned oppression. I talk about some of that stuff. Navigating the minefield is my blueprint, you know, for getting out. Um, don't be a broken reed if someone comes to you. You know, that, you know that scripture that says, you know, that, that broken reed that if you lean on it, it pierces your hand. You know, so I, I, I encourage Christians, don't be a broken reed. You know, be there and be supportive of this person going yeah. through this because Christian women are encouraged to make their marriages work. We, we all want to make our marriages work. You know, I think it's a stereotype, you know, that people who get divorced don't try to make their marriages work. I've never seen anybody not try to make their marriage work. Seriously, I haven't. Um, so Christian women are encouraged, you know, to stay and try to make it yeah. work. And then on the other hand, there, you know, people will look down their nose at them and say, well, why does she stay or why does she marry somebody like that? And, you know, some of these people are pillars of their churches and communities. Um, the men are, and they're being taught that they're supposed to be the man and be the boss. That just contributes. Sometimes abusers become abusers through, I believe, that teaching. I've had people call and tell me that. I've literally spoken with women who said, my husband and I were happy before we started going to church. We had a happy marriage. Oh, my marriage. goodness. And we started going to church, and, and, he, and we started getting this teaching, you know, that he's the leader and I'm the follower, and now our marriage is hell. I'm, I'm, you know, that's what she said. Our marriage is hell. It's about to be this. She said, then her exact words were this. She said, my church is destroying my marriage. Oh, yeah, so, and his belief, yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Oh, yes. my goodness. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you, how many women, Christian women, who read your book came forward and said to you, "This what you just wrote about is happening to me." A lot, a lot. Uh, you know, I wrote this book. Did I publish it? What was it? Two thousand seven, when it first got published. I I have heard from women over the years many times. I've met many advocates. I hear from women frequently that, and I'll get I'll get uh, stuff emails from them, and they'll say, "You're you're you're writing my story." You know, I never understood one. You know, I hear from them. I never understood what I was going through after they got out, even, of the marriage. Um, they have said, I've never understood what I, what I was, everything that I was going through, why I was feeling a certain way about certain things until I read your book. And it just opened their eyes. You know, my eyes had to be opened. I was in the middle of an abusive marriage, and I did not even know I was being abused. Wow. I 
wasn't happy. Why, why, why we couldn't make it work? What was the problem? And uh, fortunately, this uh, commercial, this infomercial came on TV about abuse, and it had a checklist. Oh, there's 10 things on the list, right? If any of these things, if you're going through, you know, two or more of these things, the likelihood is high that you are in an abusive relationship. And I was going down the list, check, check, check. Oh, my goodness. You know, it was like, and that is when my eyes were opened. As, oh, my goodness, there's actually a name for what we're going through. Um, so it's not yeah. always cut and dry the way you think. Because when you're in a marriage and you love your spouse and your spouse is abusive and you're ending up, you know, having arguments over things and you can't figure out why you're arguing all the time. And in the end, if you're with an abusive, they are abusive and they're not going to allow a peaceful status quo to reign in the home, which is what most people want. Most normal people just want to be happy. You know, they want to be happy in their relationships. And that's one more thing, because I know we're running out of time, but I really believe that churches need to disciple Christians without reference to gender. You know, the Bible was written for all of us. Yes, you yes. You know, your, your fellow human beings. You know, this is the way Christians react and behave. But it seems like churches have, have separated married couples from just your average Christian. And this is how husbands treat wives, and this is how wives treat husbands. Excuse me, this is how Christians treat right, each other. Right, right. what God says about how Christians should treat each other. Treat the people in your family that way. Treat your spouse that way. Right. Don't, don't say there's a different standard for husbands and wives than, than for the rest of the body of Christ. I'm, I'm a child. I'm a Christian. I treat my parents the way the Bible tells me I should treat all people. Or I'm a parent. I should treat my children the way the Bible tells me I should treat all people. Right. No, no. deeper than that. Yeah, and I, and I, so, I so agree. I, I really, really highly encourage people to get Woman Submit by Jocelyn Anthony. Yes, where can off-the-shelf listeners get a copy of your books, Jocelyn? Wherever books are sold. You can call your local bookstore, give them the title. I know Barnes & Noble will ship it to you free if they don't have it on the shelf. Um, and probably right now they don't have it on the shelf. But um, they'll get it for you. Just call, call your local bookstore. I encourage you to call your local bookstore and say, hey, get me this book. You can either pick it up there or they'll ship it to you uh, free shipping because when everything locked down for COVID, you know, they started, I guess that's the reason they started doing it. Um, it's easy enough to get it. Call your library. Tell them to get it. Go to any online bookseller, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, any online bookseller. You can get it. Woman Submit, Christians and Domestic Violence by Jocelyn Anderson. Uh, walk, I walked into Books a Million. Sometimes I do that randomly just to see how available it is, you know. They pulled it right up. Yeah, yeah, we get to Okay. Um, okay. So it's wherever books are sold. You can go to my website, uh, click on the picture of the cover. It'll take you straight to uh, mostly Amazon, but maybe Barnes & Noble. Um, uh, on my website, JocelynAnderson.com or WomanSubmit.com, uh, you can the book. Every book cover on all of my websites is a link to buy the book somewhere. So just oh, my goodness, Jocelyn, Jocelyn mm -hmm. Anderson, what a blessing, what a blessing. And, I mean, those signs, those signs and an abuser, whatever you got in your head, they may not drink, they might not do drugs, they could be very, very religious, they could be 
own their own business and be very successful, somebody that the community just praises, and this hidden control violence is going on. Jocelyn Anderson, you guys, she really, really blessed us. Women submit Christians and domestic violence. Woman, this is war, gender slavery, and the evangelical caste system. Redemption and Jesus, God of the Burning Bush, some of her books, her website, the one she said, Woman Submit. The other one, JocelynAnderson.com, J-O-C-E-L-Y-N-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jocelyn. What a pleasure to have you back on here. And she's working on a new book, she said. So, JocelynAnderson.com, you might want to bookmark it and keep up with her and what she's doing. And I highly encourage you to get a copy of Woman Submit. Something that you read in there could not only bless you and help you get free, but maybe somebody who's going to cross your path in the future, maybe a year or two from now, something you read in the book could help you help them and their, maybe even their children potentially to get free. So thank you again to our listeners. Thank you for tuning off the shelf. Just set your calendar. Saturday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, you're going to catch off-the-shelf, off-the-shelf books, off-the-shelf books, our podcast, Saturday, 11 a.m. And remember, you are awesome. I don't care what other people say about you or what's going on in your life. You are awesome. You are amazing. You are incredible. Go out and create a wonderful day for yourself. Jocelyn, I'll send you a link to the show when it finishes streaming. Thank you, and bye for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.